Welcome to Hunger for Wholeness, a podcast from the Center for Christogenesis. I'm your host, Robert Nicastro. Today, Elia and Gabby continue their conversation with cosmologist Brian Swim. In this second part, they deepen their discussion on how the mystery of the universe gives us perspective on ourselves. Following in sense what you're saying, because is there a universe outside our awareness of a universe? <laughs> There's nothing out there that's not first, in a sense, in the human mind or human consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Can we really separate those things? You know, this thing no. called the universe. And by the way, there is this human person who can see the universe. I don't see I can separate them. No, I agree. So, so we literally are, you are, in a sense, the stars. Absolutely. Star dust. Now looking at the stars, <laughs> you are the stars seeing yourself, you know, thinking of yourself. We are the universe looking at ourselves and knowing what we are. I mean, it's so mind boggling when you think Isn't about it. it. No, it's it's mind boggling. The nice thing about it is that it's mind boggling <laughs> because, you know, we need to get beyond this industrial modern consciousness, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it just kind of, it just makes me laugh sometimes the way we approach even human problems. Like, you know, we're problem solvers and we're going to, yeah. and then like, seriously, dude, you need to pull back a little bit and look at the stars, you know? I mean, we... I think it was John Templeton who talk, spoke about the humble stance, you know, that stance of humility. Yeah. And I, I always think of the psalmist, when I look at the heavens and the stars which you have made, like, who are we? What are we? Not presuming to know what we are, but just yeah. to ask that question and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm pretty blown away by the fact that I am the universe. I, yeah, so am I. I mean... Right. So is Gabby. Like we we are the. So how many universes are there? There's ten point five ten billion universes in one. So what is it that allows us to speak of a common universe? You know, even that's pretty mind boggling. We know it as one, right? Not as ten billion different versions of a universe. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be another amazing fact of our existence that, I mean, there's something like two trillion galaxies that we know of, you know, and uh, every scientist that studies this knows that each one of them is different. We have general categories for them, but what an amazing place to find ourselves in, where every being is unique. I mean, unique. I mean, DNA just doesn't, you know, I mean, it's fantastic, but is that the whole thing, you know? I mean, I don't know. It's, it really is still binding. But I want to talk a little bit about, you know, because you worked very close with Tom Berry, you know, yeah. Father Thomas Berry for many years. And, you know, he was a tremendous, I mean, I think it was, he was a prophet. You know, he had great intuition. A lot of his writings gave us a lot of road signs and signals and signposts, you know, where we need to be heading and how we need to orient our lives. And, you know, it's it's kind of unfortunate. And I know Mary Evelyn and, and John Grimm have done amazing work and you've worked closely with them at, at Yale. But we seem to treat, in, not Mary Evelyn, not you guys, but a lot of other people, it, it just becomes like another historian, you know? Oh, we've got another interesting guy to study. But there's something about us that really have yet to take that next step 
you know, Barry's insights and works along with Teilhard to really make the leap in yeah. shifting, you know, everything about us. Right. You know, everything. What are your thoughts on that? Um, a, a singer I w- like once said, you are a thing the whole universe is doing. And that like really stuck with me. Oh, that's, yeah. that's great. I love that. The whole universe. Just, I love that, Gabby. Who is that? You remember um, the singer? Yeah, Inzo. He essentially like puts his opinions on philosophy and then, you know, says them and then like adds a little beat into the background to wow. make it worth listening to. That's, you are a thing <laughs> the whole universe is doing. Wow. I love that. If you're a thing the whole universe is doing, then in kind of a similar way, the universe is something you're doing. And like the universe is something that all of us are creating through our actions. And we really don't see that, especially like when people think that they're they're not making a difference. Like you're literally the stars. You are everything in a sense. And I think that's incredible. That's amazing. So you can say to someone, you are you are a star, you know, and not just mean that in some kind of Hollywood way, but literally, you know, you are the light that's shining in this. And what I love about that, just Gabby, to follow up is that every person has that light or bears that light in a unique way, you know, in a, in a slightly distinct way, like the light of your face and being is distinct from Brian's or mine. And yet, you know, together, you know, in this conversation, it creates this incredible enlightened view of, you know, the cosmos and our being and being one with it and not just in it. Right. We're not just in the are we in the cosmos or are we with the cosmos? We're things the cosmos is doing. There we are. <laughs> That's a great it's like the podcast is over. We're not going to go back <laughs> that. That's a great summer thing. <laughs> Here's a serious question for you uh, that I hear. What do you think is the most pressing question we're facing today as a human species or as a human community? The most pressing issue that we're facing. Well, I think it's how do we unify humanity is searching to unify, or your language would be more, how do we learn to love one another? You know, we have this fragmentation, and, um, you know, we're in the process. Out of these antagonisms, our bond, our communion is going to be so much deeper, Mm. because this is a process that is enabling us to, to understand in a very deep way that humanity is a it is destined to become a unified, all the fragments. And that, that's, again, Teilhard's point of view. Right. All the fragments are going to be gathered together through love. Yeah, Teilhard definitely saw that there is this sort of an unyielding pressure or presence within this flow of life, you know, this unfolding flow of life. And that it's, you know, converging. He used the word convergence a yeah. lot. 
Yeah. You know, we're not only coming together, but we're complexifying. We're forming new relationships as we come together. And yeah. so, you know, he had this idea that we converge, we complexify, and consciousness deepens. It changes. Yeah. And these three kind of interlocking movements have been going on, he says, since sort of the beginning, yeah. everything. And I, I do think, you know, again, it's it's speeding up a little bit with technology. But do you think, and maybe I can ask, you know, both you, Brian and Gabby, do you really think this unifying process will lead us to a more just and sustainable planet? You know, can we really come to a place of shared being or shared humanity or shared life where we have a more equitable distribution of resources? This is, would be basically a faith statement. You know, I, I do trust that the process as well will carry us forward to that a deeper communion. But I, well, here's, here's one example uh, from our history that gives me a sense of support in my, my own faith around this question. That is, you know, Homo sapiens uh, emerged something like 200,000 years ago, maybe 300,000 years ago. And they lived in groups of, you know, a dozen or a couple dozen small groups for 99% of our existence. And they would seed each other and move apart. And, and this is, this again, is one of Teilhard's points is that because you're on a round planet, you're going to eventually have to deal with, with one another. But so then we found a way because of the unique nature of human consciousness, without going into that, we found a way to move from these hunter-gatherer groups to villages where with several thousand people could get along harmoniously. Now, I was amazed years ago when I, I was listening to a primatologist talk about chimpanzees and humans. And, and he said, say you're at an NFL football game, you know, there's 40,000 people cheering. If you replaced those 40,000 people with 40,000 chimpanzees, there would be a massive slaughter. They are simply unable to be in, and this has been witnessed too, unable to be in that kind of gathering. It, once again, it's because humans have developed ways of relating to one another harmoniously. Now, you know, a billion people can get together. And so I, I think we're in this process of moving. We've gone from hunter-gatherers to villages to classical civilizations, to modern cities. And right now, we're sort of shuddering with this move to a planetary community beyond uh, the nation state. And it's yeah. already happened. Gabby knows this. Music, music holds together billions of people from so many different cultures. And so... Mm, I like again, it. That's really interesting. That's, Gabby, what are your thoughts here on moving toward a shared planetary life? I mean, I think that I would not describe myself as an optimist by choice, but an optimist by circumstance, because I don't think there's a way to survive while believing that everything's just going to go poorly. So I think that we've, we've got to move towards planetary unity. I think that we also have to move towards cosmological unity. We have to, you know, become one with the universe. You know, we can't just know and love each other. We have to love everything to truly have any kind of real unity, you know? Yeah, nice. Very nice. That's great. I love that. Yeah. You know, I think it was Henri Bergson, the French philosopher, who said, we don't change easily. 
you know, in fact, he thought Bergson thought there's a resistance to change in human evolution. And there is something of that, you know, even though we we are moving, and I think Brian, you're absolutely right, you know, we are converging. Sometimes it's against our will, and that's where we get to see, I think, the frictions in human community and some of the oppositions that we read about in the news and stuff like this. But there is definitely a shift in the human community towards greater convergence, whether it's across ethnicities or race or gender. You know, we're, we're beginning to see more and more the pluralism is becoming optimism, <laughs> you know, that it's fine, you know, that who you are is really what counts as being part of the whole that is in movement and not so much what you are, you know, in your race or creed or anything like that. So I find that really interesting. And and I, I would say that, you know, some people get really bogged down by the news because it all looks so bad, you know, sometimes yeah. that it's all falling apart and we're going to blow ourselves up and, you know, lose the war and the earth is, and it is, I mean, we do have global warming because I think part of our resistance to change is that we have not been as attentive to the earth and we have kind of liked our little tribalizations, you know, we, we've liked our little local communities and we really don't want to be with people who are not like us. But then when we're with them, you know, say at a football game or something, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, at everyone's, yeah, right? <laughs> Just when you thought I have nothing in common with them and then you go to like a Packers game or something, you're like, well, yeah, every, we're a funny species, quite honestly. I mean, uh, there must be divine humor written right into this whole process of evolution. Don't you think that, yeah. you know, I, I think there's got to be, you know, some kind of divine loving deity who's like, ha ha. <laughs> Cosmology helps to develop a framework for unified planetary life. You are a thing the whole universe is doing. Next, Ilya, Gabby, and Brian reflect on how to remain hopeful. Hopeful for unity, despite the challenges of contemporary life. Gabby, what is your hope for, you know, as a 13-year-old budding star of the universe? What do you hope for? I mean, I hope for a lot of things, you know. I, I hope I do well on my test. I hope I... but. For everyone, I hope that we can achieve greater unity and I hope that we can really begin to understand ourselves and each other and like the way we're creating ourselves and the universe. We have to be mindful of just deeper understanding of everything. Okay. Are you concerned about the crisis of global warming or migration or, you know, gaps between rich and poor? Do you, do you feel like if we converge, then some of these problems will be, you know, perhaps reconciled. I think that if we could truly converge, that all of these problems would be solved. Mm. I think that people would realize that people are people. And, you know, we would understand what we need to do. Mm. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I think that that is what needs to happen. We need to understand that we are people, we are the universe, we are the earth, and we have to take care of all of that, you know? You wouldn't go smothering and destroying 
yourself if you loved yourself. And you shouldn't do that to the universe or the earth because you should love them too, I think. Brian, your greatest hope. You who have thought wide, deep, and about the universe and life. <laughs> oh, it's just beautiful to people to recognize other people and other beings in the universe. And that's beautiful. Yeah, that, that'd be my hope too. So it'd be a, the hope of, of an awakening, right? Was it H.G. Wells who said, um, we're in a race between catastrophe and education? Mm. I, I love that. It's just if we can learn widely what we already know, I, I just think it would be a, a very different planet. So that's, that's why I've committed myself to education. You know, and I think the words that I would highlight are to learn. You know, learning is a contemplative process. You know, it's, yeah. it's a deep gazing. It's a deep taking in yeah. and reflecting on ideas and yeah. knowledge and what we understand. It's so different from, say, Google chat or mm -hmm. chat GPT or, you know, I Google or Wikipedia and I get information and I can just, you know, bite-size information into something. You know, I guess it's a wake-up call, too, for those of us in education to nurture the love of learning, you know, the love of really taking in and understanding the awe. I think it was Bernard Lonergan, the great Jesuit theologian, who spoke of, you know, knowledge as insight, you know, forming, like, it's the creative process of being human because we form insights, new horizons of meaning. And those horizons pull us onward. You know, we, we move on from them. And it's a beautiful process, you know, of to draw out, you know, educare, to draw out from us, you know, these potent ideas, these new understandings. And then we see in a new way. You know, this was Teilhard's thing, to see in a new way. You see the whole in a new way. You see yourself, this universe, in a new way. And that, then, that seeing, then, is a new love. It's a new energy of love. It's like, you know, awakening, saying, wow, you know? And that's, that's where passion and awe, you know, really kick in. So we have hope because Gabby is going to lead us. <laughs> she will help others as well. But we have hope because we live in a world that's really immensely beautiful. It's shot through with beauty. And that beauty, in, for me, is divine love. You know, it's the love of what we name as God. And it's an inexhaustible love, an inexhaustible beauty. And maybe our task is just to be always open to discover that beauty, you know, and never to give up. We get old sometimes and we want to give up. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, your last word. What is your last word to our listeners? I would say that um, going back to what you said earlier about we live in a sea of pessimism and um, I would even say nihilism, so that the news, and so much of the media coming out of Hollywood and elsewhere, it doesn't enliven us. It's, even that, even that, I think, can be seen 
as a quality of humanity that's important. So when newscasters or filmmakers um, write about disasters to our ecology, they're aware that something is wrong and needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. So that to see that that all of these negative reports are they're coming from an awareness that we have to change. But some really great news has been crowded out of um, the media. For instance, there has been a steady rise in the education of women over the last 5,000 years from zero to there's never been as many women educated in the history of humanity as in the 21st century. So, and then just to maybe one last word on that, besides the fact that it's absolutely necessary, think of what that means. We are a dimorphic species. So this has to be nuanced, but the wisdom of humanity comes in this as uh, masculine and feminine polarities. Well, we can't just take half of that and leave it to the sidelines. Now that that other half is being educated, it's another example of how we're going to be giving birth to a very different human species. I'm glad you said that, you know, because I've known that all along, that women will be the shape of the future. But, you know, Teilhard spoke of the rise of the eternal feminine, you know, the principle of the feminine being the principle of deep relationality. But I do think women bring a distinct quality and, and vision and knowing to the whole knowing process that is enriching. And yeah, I think that's really worthy to consider. So good. So this is our hope, you know, that women are the future. <laughs> I'm only teasing. Especially Gabby. Gabby is definitely of the future. We don't want to heap too much expectation on you, Gabby. I know. I do it all the time. She's <laughs> a futurist anyway. She's <laughs> She just looks 13. She's really like 63 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I know my eyesight is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, thank you so much. It's been great to talk with you. You've done tremendous work, Ryan. So we're immensely grateful for this scholarship, for the work you've done over the years and which continue to do, and your contributions really to the forward movement of this human community, human life. And so many people have read your books and have, you know, the Journey of the Universe video, which has, you know, really become immensely popular and informative for thousands of people. So thank you for your great work. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me here at Christogenesis. Wow. What a fantastic center. I want to be considered an early member. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Absolutely. Feel at home. We're happy to have you. Count you among us. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes our conversation with Brian Swim. Be sure to listen to our next episode with neuroscientist Marjorie Wallacott on the topic of consciousness as the essence of the universe. A special thanks to our partners at the Fetzer Institute. If you'd like to dig deeper into today's conversation, please support Hunger for Wholeness on Patreon for access to additional study materials, as well as content produced by our team at the Center for Christogenesis. I'm Robert Nicastro. Thanks for listening.